Growing Up, our brand new resource for churches and parents is out now. Woohoo! With Sunday school sessions, training videos, podcast episodes for parents and one for the whole family. All there to help our children navigate the confusion, filter the messages they're surrounded by and hear God's good story. All our Growing Up resources point to the Heavenly Father who loves our children even more than we do and has the answer to their biggest questions about who they are and how to live. Together, as families and churches, we can support each other to start good conversations about bodies, gender and marriage so our children can grow up hearing God's good story. Head over to the website faithinkids.org and find out all the details about growing up. So to try and spot the difference between what is just a bit annoying to you and what is actually defiant behaviour, what is childish and what is disobedience. So I think being super consistent and making sure they're not playing mum off against dad is, is really big. Hello, this is the Faith in Parents podcast. We are back parenting through the stages. My name is Ed. I'm the director of Faith in Kids. It's a privilege to be in your car with you on your dog walk or maybe even on a sweaty run with you. We are in these podcasts trying to help people, parents, work out what is the distinctive of each age group. Because normally as a parent, you're mostly just bewildered and wondering what next week will be. So in this episode, we're trying to talk about what is it like to parent a five to seven year old. I'm delighted there's four wonderful godly Christians here with me to talk about this. Amy, you're a usual one here. Can you tell us a bit about yourself and your five to sevens? Hello, hello. Um, So I have had five to sevens. Um, I have four children. They've just grown out of that age. So I've been through it very recently And five to sevens is actually my favourite age group to teach at church in Sunday school. So, and actually one of the lovely kids who've been in my Sunday school class, I have their parents here. Shall I introduce them next? Please do, Amy, go. White Houses, hello. Hello. (laughs) So you want us to introduce ourselves. So I'm Jodie. And I'm Adam. And we have three boys. Um, One is just turned two. Uh, Our middle one is for nearly five and our eldest is six and nearly seven. So we are in that stage right now and we're very much hoping to glean some wisdom from you lot. (laughs) Adam, tell us a bit about... uh... Tell us a bit about what your family does on holiday. You've just come back from a half-term break. Yeah, well, I wouldn't necessarily say we're big in the outdoors, but we're kind of thrust into that. So we've bought <laughs> recently bought a paddleboard, uh, and that's a lot down to our brother-in-law. Uh, he's he's really into that. Who's part of Amy's family as well. So we've kind of done that, and and the kids love it. So 
really when we're on these kind of holidays it's it's kind of just to to occupy them really <laughs> and to yeah and also to see enjoyment through them you know like nice, I, I, I might have said before it's it's not really a relaxing holiday <laughs> you know <laughs> I you mind being on, yeah I wouldn't mind being on the beach somewhere and reading a good book but uh <laughs> so I mean maybe that's the first thing to say to parents of five to sevens if at any point during this podcast you're left thinking it sounds easy they're all smashing it and they spend most of their time sitting on their own in peace that's not the story and Adam thanks for clarifying that early, <laughs> early doors Sam can you tell us a bit about yourself and your connection with five to sevens Yep. So like Amy, I've got uh, two children who have been through the five to sevens and one who is smack bang in the middle. He's six. Um, I also I've been teaching five to sevens in Sunday school at church for a long time, which I love as well. Uh, But I'm also a primary teacher and I have spent many years teaching five to seven year olds uh, in large numbers. You're a hero, Sam. That's what we're going to say first. (laughs) (laughs) We thank God for you. <laughs> Sam, could you start then just by giving us a bit of help with what is a five to seven year old? What do they do? What are they like? If you're in a room with them, what would you notice? Do you know, Ed, it, this evening, in the last two hours, I have had an example of a classic five to seven year old. So my six year old jumped into the bath so spectacularly that the ceiling was wet. <laughs> nice. Then, yeah, he, just before that, he told me that. The supper I had made was the most revolting thing he'd ever eaten. Very eloquently said, I might add. But then spotted his big brother, who's 11, um, had banged his head, rushed over and gave him a hug. So I think that that sort of sums up five to seven in the sort of enthusiasm for life, uh, the sort of discovery and excitement in everything, the, the sort of swing of emotions from one side to the other. Um, they're starting to look out of themselves. So, care, you know, he cared that his brother was sad and he gave him a hug just because he'd noticed someone else existed, which doesn't really happen in the in the years before quite so much. Uh, but also is very much in touch with his emotions and um, was feeling very cross about the food that was on his plate. So, you know, likes to express themselves and which they can now do without just getting cross. They've got actual words. Thanks, Sam. Uh, Adam and Jody, you pick. Um, how is it parenting this age group? Are there some surprises? Are there some things you notice? Um, I actually think, Sam, you've just summarised our eldest who's six perfectly well. <laughs> so we had the same difficulty tonight with food, refusing to eat his dinner. The other two munched it all up. And just he knows his own mind. So now it feels like we are we have to listen to him carefully, not just by what he says, but by his body language as well. And also by his emotions, which swing from one way to the other. Um, and yeah, he he definitely has a lot of energy and probably why we flake out most nights once the three boys have gone to bed. Um, so, yeah, he keeps us very busy and probably the one we think about the most and how to direct him in life um, just because of the age he is now. Adam, what fires him up? What fires this age group up? What does it look like to be a dad of this age? Well, particularly Caleb, I mean, he's he's really into his sports. He, uh, he wants to be on the go all the time. So when you're trying to talk to him uh, and getting alongside him, he doesn't want to 
reply. He doesn't want to tell you what he's done at school. Um, so, I mean, this might not be the case for all uh, six or seven-year-old, but this is what we're experiencing. So you've got to pick your times. And uh, so I, I, t- I take him to football. He's done tennis tonight. Um, so we try and keep him active all the time. And then when we do have a quiet time and his only time really, I would say, I get to to chat with him is putting him to bed. And when we're saying prayers together and, and but then at that point, he'll want, he'll, he'll be interested in what he's learnt at junior church, but then he'll want a, a karate story or a football <laughs> story to go along with that. So it's, <laughs> it's balancing the both. But then he'll tell me what he's done. And in quite eloquently as well, he'll tell me exactly what he's done throughout the day, but only when he's he's ready. <laughs> and he has the energy before bed. Those those feel like good conversation times. Yeah, he's he's definitely got the energy. He's, he never even when we've put him to bed, he'll probably still be awake now. In fact. <laughs> Um, he just keeps on going. Yeah. But he wants to talk to us at bedtime because then it stalls from having to go to sleep. So if we want to talk to Caleb and find out where he's at and what's going on, that's the best time because he's actually willing to talk to us and not just want to play football 24 hours a day. So I think those five to seven years are um, massive uh, in the life of a parent from having sort of gone through that three, three, four times, four times in quick succession. Um, I think those big changes of starting school, of um, being a little bit more independent, of having to work out how to, you know, open your lunchbox and your packet of crisps for school, manage changing for PE, starting to learn to read, starting to learn to write. All of those things are just massive in their lives. And the enthusiasm with which they take them on um, and as parents that you're having to take a little step back I found that quite hard that you'd you'd raise this child um to to have good manners and like the things that you wanted them to like and follow the rules in the home and then you took them to school and you waved off this lovely human and then you picked up an exhausted horror at the end of the day who just came home basically grumpy and wanting food from you and um obsessed with the naughtiest child in their class so I, that to me was was one of the challenges of that age that you had to then get your head around this whole new stage and enjoying the good bits of it. So their wonder and enthusiasm to learn and this whole new world that's opened up to them of friendships and then an interest in what people think and how they feel that then those walks to school when you were going wow about whatever they've learned or whatever they could see, that you could then start to drop into conversation that God made that and God loves you and isn't this brilliant and what does that tell you about God? That just the the exhaustion is real and I do also remember jam on my kitchen ceiling and being impressed, but also <laughs> the wonder is real and it's about trying to get the balance right between the two. Thank you. Sam, can you help us a little with, um, is there a significant difference between boys and girls in this age group? In in a general way. Yeah, I mean, yes, in a, they're all different. But um, yeah, I think, you know, if you look across a class of 30 kids, the boys are, as Adam described, you know, on the whole, most of them are bouncing around and desperate to get outside and play. Um, whereas the boys are, the girls are 
offering to do jobs or you know sort of sitting there and coloring in if it's raining whereas the boys are literally bouncing off the walls seeing how hard they can jump um so there that energy level it looks different i think the girls do mature a bit more quickly as well so there's um so our our current six-year-old is a boy but we had a six-year-old girl as well and she wanted to talk things through it's lovely to hear caleb talking about things but um so Emma thought things through and she wanted to discuss relationships and friendship issues and why, you know, why things had happened to her and why was someone unkind? And we could have those conversations with her in a way that um, Will doesn't really think about it. He just said, oh, I had a bit of a fight. We're OK. And um, so there is a bit of a difference, usually, but not always. You know, everyone's and, different. And Sam, this age group is is marked as opposed to three and four year olds in that school is probably going to be a big factor in in the changing that's happened isn't it the difference between the school experience the day experience of a four-year-old and a six-year-old can you just tell us a bit about what some common experiences are of that of that change how it affects children what we might notice at home yeah I think what Amy was saying is that it's exhausting I think so the the expectation of them as they start in reception in year five and go up into year into year one and then by the time they get to year two and they're sort of t- seven, it, th- the expectation is that they are able to sit and listen for extended periods of time, which is a big ask because they're still wanting to play football and run around and play with their mates and read books they want to do. Whereas at school, they have to sit and do what they're told for vast periods and follow lengthy numbers of rules when they don't really want to because you know they're not wired to do that. They're little independent spirits who want to go and explore the great big world around them and get to know people and play and do their own thing so but having said that some of them absolutely relish it so not all five to sevens are going to struggle with that transition as they get older some of them love the chance to get better at things and challenge themselves and master tricky concepts um so i think it it, they all they're all they all enjoy it and get there in the end but some of them enjoy different parts of it for different reasons and sam there's a um there's a Christian lens to look at that difference through, isn't there? In that at this age group as a parent, perhaps it's when we suddenly start to realise our children are behind other children or in front of other children in what they're doing in school. Uh, do, do you notice that? Do you think about how as a Christian we could think about that? Yes. And I, I've got three children who all get on very differently at school. And it's really helpful for me to say to myself god made this little person exactly how he wants them to be and he loves them i don't need to try and change them <laughs> um you know the key the key thing that we always pray for our kids is that we want them to know that they are loved by us and by god and however they get on at school doesn't really impact that it doesn't make a difference to whether they're struggling in maths or don't know their times tables they are still loved by god regardless of how their results are at school. Thank you. Uh, Adam and Jody. could you say a little of um, what what you think the highs or the lows, what the great encouragements or the great struggles of this age group are? Where do you find your biggest smiles and your greatest lows come from? Well, I, uh, I think Jody mentioned earlier that the uh, meal time tonight has been pretty difficult. So it is it is a low when you're having to tell your seven year old, six, seven year old, um, continually to do something, you particularly you know, eat your dinner or and it's 
being ignored all the time and you think if they're ignoring this now and we're having to repeat ourselves over and over again, what are they actually taking in from, from us, you know, in the in the ways of discipline or or you know, as we're teaching the Bible to them, you know, what are they actually what are they actually taking in? Um and then but there's there's joys as well with it as well, isn't there? You know, when we've we've had our time at church and or you know we've come home we've listened to to a podcast or we've listened to something uh, and then there's questions asked and it's such a it's such a lovely time then to actually be able to explain um and then so it just it it uh, reassures you and and you know that you know we keep praying for our children uh and we know that God's in complete control so it's it's that comfort that we have from that mm. Yeah. Adam, tell us what you pray for your children. We pray for ultimately salvation. You know, so we, me and Jody, both grew up in in Christian families, and I would say it's fair to say we both went separate ways, and we we lived our lives away from God. And so we understand grace abundantly, and, and we we pray for our children. You know, we we pray every day that uh, that that it would mean to to them that it means to us you know the lord is is their savior and uh and so every day you know that's that's something that we would pray for jody will you give us some insight into uh the highs and lows of being a mum to these boys yeah so a bit like what um adam was just saying then just you know when the chi- when the children, I won't name just one, but when all three of them for different stages rebel and go against what you're saying and you're trying to teach them out of love, but they choose that they know better than their parents do. And it just reminds me of the gospel. So don't we try and rebel against God and think we know better than him? And so it just keeps reminding me that actually I need grace and my children need grace and I think parenting has probably made me realise um, sin as God would see it. <laughs> and like, oh, just the frustrations I feel. And I think, how is God so patient with me when I do not have patience with my boys all the time? And I guess God's teaching me many lessons about my own sin as it's been revealed more and more as I try to parent. And all of a sudden, those fruits of the spirit are dwindling. <laughs> And I need to pray for more patience, more perseverance, show more grace to my boys, remembering they are sinners, they're not perfect. It doesn't matter what the rest of the world thinks, it matters what God thinks. And I want them to know that God loves them and he sent Jesus to save them, to forgive them, to show them grace. And we need to model that to them as their parents, which is a challenge. It doesn't come easy, but we pray every day that God will help us. Jody, just just before we move on, what what does it look like when you feel like you, you you can't do it? What do you find yourself saying? How often does it happen? I just I just think that you and Adam have just told us such a good story mm-hmm. of how you're doing it and what you're praying. I kind of just want to hear. W- would you be honest enough just to tell us a bit about what it, what it looks like when it goes wrong and how you cope? Yeah, so there's times when the boys have gone to bed and I we always go, oh, how lovely the boys when they're in bed. <laughs> <laughs> but when like chaos is kicking off at home and there's footballs flying around, knocking light shades or whatever's going on, and then they're bickering between each other, 
and you're in the middle of it and you just I have to almost stop and remember <laughs> be still and know that I am God <laughs> there's times where I have to make that verse become a reality within the kitchen where there's just noise beyond levels that I ever knew before having children and just thinking I can't do this alone I need God's help and there's times I've had to walk out of the room and lock myself in the <laughs> bathroom just to take a little breather and to try and calm myself down from losing my patience and then going back and trying to uh, discipline them in love <laughs> and that's what we try and do and it is a battle it is a difficult battle having three young boys who are very energetic um, but we do what we can and we just trust God each day. Amy, just talk to us a little about this business of disciplining our children. I um I seized the nettle in the last episode and said that I think with threes to fours, this might be the age where you're smacking your children if you choose to. Uh, with this age group, Amy, what might, sorry, as well as a multiple of other methods, I should say. Amy, could you give us some insight into what this age group looks like when you're disciplining them? Uh, so I think uh, massively helpful for this age group is is consistency because um, they start to really feel that fair and unfair thing um, uh, in a very big way, particularly with siblings. So I think being super consistent and making sure they're not playing mum off against dad is, is really big. Um, I think we use the naughty step an awful lot um, at this stage in our life, and that was mostly for my benefit rather than theirs. So I just need a minute because often, like Jodie was saying about the noise and the chaos, am I responding to the noise and chaos that I don't like or or the, is this actually about the behaviour? So um, my mum was really helpful for me with this because she would, she would just point out that a lot of your struggles is just about the fact that you're tired and you would like there to be a little bit more calm and they're not actually being evil. They're just being lively. Um, so to try and spot the difference between what is just a bit annoying to you and what is actually defiant behaviour, what is childish and what is disobedience. Um, and I think that's really helpful for your children when they see that you are doing that. So it's OK to say, guys, you're just being a little bit loud and I'm struggling. But when you snap because oh, I've had enough of you lot because that's... That's not, it's not really great. I would love just to say a little of that, Amy, before you tell us how to fix it. Okay. But to use the example of the football in the sitting room one. Yeah. To kick a football in the sitting room and to knock over a lampshade, uh, that's childish, however annoying it might be. Mm -hmm. If you say, do not kick that ball inside and then they do it. Yeah. That is willful defiance. Yeah. That is, you knew what you were doing and you still did it. So those are the, this is what we're talking about between it's a child, they do stupid things a lot and you knew what you were doing, you still did it and you and now you've got me. So Amy, just tell us, in the now you've got me and it's defiance, what does it look like then at this age group? Uh, so I think at this point, it's a great time. You're starting to introduce a little of why. Why is this not Okay. Um, and why do I not want you to do this again? And why is it important that you listen to me? Um, and I think that's where the naughty step is for me was super helpful because you're just going to go and sit there and I'm going to come and talk to you in a minute. 
Um, so I take a, a rescue breath and I decide what is the issue here? What is the heart that I'm trying to change? What is the conversation that we're going to have? And that is the super moment for that arrow prayer. Lord, just help me to say the right thing now. Um, and that then you go and sit down and then you say, did you see what happened there? I asked you to do this. You, you know, you have to, I want you to listen to me because I love you. I know what's best. So obviously I'm telling you this as if this was how I did it at every point. But we have to have a bar set somewhere. This is what we want. Um, so I'm telling you this whilst being a hypocrite because there are times that it didn't happen. But on the occasions that it did, it was it was super helpful. So child's having a timeout. I'm having a rescue breath. We're coming in and we're having the conversation about I said no and you did that and that's not OK because I am your mummy and I love you and I tell you what, what to do and you have to listen. And for whatever reason, and I don't want you to do that because that wasn't kind. I don't want you to do that because that's not looking after the things that God has given us. You want to try and give one little hint of of the God reason behind why we're doing this. Because we care about other people, because God loves us, because God made people special, because this is the, the things that he's given us to look after. So that's what I would be trying to do. Consistency, conversation and a God reason. I I would just want to say... I think finding the God reason is very difficult. Yeah. Uh, so just to give you an example, all children sometimes lie. Yeah. All parents, whether they're Christians or not, don't want them to lie. Uh, so there is a question, which is, what is the God reason for not lying? Because all parents say, don't lie. There are some God reasons to say, don't lie. It might be, God never lies. In this family, we don't lie. It could be we're not afraid to tell the truth because God knows exactly what we have done. And if you think about it, one joy of being a parent is you might actually know why your child lied when no one else does. Because you know them better than anyone else in the world. But it is difficult, <laughs> particularly even after your rescue breath and your arrow prayer to think of the God moment. But Amy, thank you for inspiring us. There could be a moment where we have a God moment. And I think a lot of those conversations are because God loves us and and we need to love others. And that, you know, that is enough sometimes to just mention that there is a God who loves us and tells us what is right. So to remind them that you are the parent who is listening to an authority, just like they are the child who is listening to an authority. Thanks, Amy. Sam, could could you give us some Christian goals you think might be distinctive for parenting this age group? What might we be trying to aim for? What might we be trying to think through? It's so uh, people have touched on it already. These guys have said, I think, consistency, but modelling the life we long for our children. So showing that we love the Lord, that we recognise that we need Jesus in every minute, every day, talking about it with them, um, showing them that we value God's word and reading it on our own as well as with them, um, coming back to him, not just parenting the right way, but parenting God's way. So what does he want for them and how can we show them what we want them to be and how we want them to live in God's world and how we want them to interact with other people and how they can 
say sorry to God so we can say sorry to them and show them that it's important <clears throat> to to live his way, not just say you need to live like this, but actually live like that too and delight in him so that they can delight in him, not just give them a bunch of rules and show them mm. what it could look like, but really enjoy living the Christian life so that they can see that it is a delight. And when it's hard being honest, it's hard to live the Christian life sometimes, but it's worth it because God loves us and he will bring us through. Sam, can you just give an example of then what this Christian life, this delighting in the Lord that you wonderfully speak of might look like? We've just been on holiday in Scotland and we climbed a mountain. It took us two hours to get to the top. Actually, no, two and a half hours to get to the top. But it was glorious. And when we got there, Will said, wow, mummy, look what God made. And it wasn't, wow, look at that view. It was, wow, look what God made. And I think um, that slightly took my breath away, made me a little, little, little tear, because he was recognising it, and that was lovely. Jodie, you're nodding furiously. <laughs> yes, yeah. Well, funnily enough, when we were away, we went for a walk um, along a golf course, and um, Caleb, out of the blue, pointed to a thorny bush and said, Mummy, those thorns are there because sin came into the world and that's why Jesus came. And it literally, like, and he fell over. And I looked at Adam and I thought, thank you, Lord. It was like <laughs> a moment of grace in the chaos. So just these, like, snippets, you can see that actually everything we've been trying to teach them throughout their little lives is now, it's like a jigsaw puzzle that's coming together. And so, yeah, we, we delight in those moments, which we see every so often. Yeah. And like we, we try to live out our lives, like you said before, about you know, showing Jesus's love in our lives so they can see it in us, you know. And I, there was a time recently when uh, when Tim and Kayla we were, we were listening to the, the, the music in the car and, and they just turned around and said, we love Jesus. And you just those little moments are just little nuggets, and you just you hold on to them, and you just hope that they're going. That's going to go further, and you pray more and more. Now, Adam, you can't. I know you. So I imagine you don't draw a graph of these moments, but uh, give us. It's striking to me. We're recording this straight after half term. We've probably all got a few more lovelier moments than normal, which perhaps as a parent just says. It takes time to have lovely moments. You've got to be feeling relaxed. They have to be relaxed. You're trying not to put six pairs of shoes on to get out the door for school and you're not late and you've got an egg stain down your shirt for work. Uh, Amy, what, what do we do when we're not in those moments or, or can you tell us a moment when it does happen? I just think uh, it's such a key age for carving out family time together and, and to try try and make them happen regularly. So to try and make time for a Sunday afternoon walk or a Saturday adventure. Um, but even little things like to try and have a wow moment in your day um, on a walk to school, um, as you look out of the window, just try and notice something that you can all say wow about together. And to me, that is the beauty of this age is that they're, they're not compartmentalizing stuff. You know, church stuff doesn't belong in Sunday only. You know, Jesus can be just as much part of the the, the game with the action figures as as whoever else. That you know, you can be you could be like Jody said. You can be on a walk and then they see something, and then you're having a conversation about the fall. That's bringing bringing stuff in and going with their their imagination, and that that's the joy of 
of this age group. Um, I think walking to school is big. I know that not everyone can do it, but I just think a little moment in the day, that um, even if it's just walking from your car up or praying before you get out of the car, before you go to school to just say, you know, let's pray before we go to school that you, you know, you'll have a great day. Just trying to include something of um, talking about faith together. Um, yeah. And those moments where those Saturday days out, you just can't buy that of where they stand and look at a butterfly or they go to the zoo and they they say, wow, God made that. I remember being at our local aquarium, um, which is in a garden centre. <laughs> We've all been there. Um, and we watched the fish and remember my, my son at this age, Isaac, standing looking at them and saying to me, wow, mommy, look, God had a lot of ideas, didn't he, with his colouring in or all the fish in the fish tank. And just think that's, you know, that's, you would never think, let's put that in a Sunday school lesson. But that's where they go. and enjoy the ride. I think for this age group, what we're saying is the awe at creation is very alive. They're reflecting on that. What we're saying is, is this age is starting to have the ability to not repeat yesterday's mistake again. The conversation mm. about how this could have gone could be different today. This age group, when we pray with them, they're starting to see we're praying about the thing that is difficult. We're not going to do it right on our own. We need some help with it. This age group is starting to process back to us the things we have been talking about, that we have been talking about since before they were born. <laughs> so if you're listening to this as a parent of a six-month-old, that's why we're doing this podcast, to say there's going to be a different season of your life. So I would also add that don't forget that they don't have the language to tell you quite what they're thinking and that there's more going on than you know. Um, so I particularly love five to sevens. Um, I became a Christian age five. Um, as a child, I remember coming home from church and having understood for the first time that um, I wasn't on Jesus's side, which is the way I explained it. And talking to my mum about it and being quite upset that I wasn't on Jesus's side and I needed to be on Jesus's side because I thought I could have held her hand and gone to heaven with her, but I needed to be on Jesus's side. And my mum took the conversation seriously enough to sit down with me, talk to me a little bit more, pray with me, comfort me that Jesus had had paid the price for my sin so that I could be forgiven and be on his side. And if I trusted in him... Um, I was on Jesus's side and I was okay. And she used my language back to me that I could be on Jesus's side. Um, and for me as a child, that was very, very real. And I think my mum did a great job there. And so I just say with your kids, remember that there's more going on. She didn't know, you know, it's only years later that I then can tell her with more language that that was very real. Um, so there's more going on in your kids' heads and hearts than you know. Sam, that mention of church, that mention of maybe trying to open the Bible with our children, can you just give us some help with how we can do that, how we can navigate that? Yeah, there's so many fantastic ways to do that. You don't just need to open a Bible and have a go. There's some really fantastic resources that you can use at home with children who they're written specifically for five to seven year olds. So at the moment, we're reading a beautiful one with our our uh, little chap who um, loves the world around him. He's fascinated by it. 
and so this one is um it, it's all about it's all god's word and it talks about god's world one verse from the bible and then it explains how that affects us and how it fits in with our life so it's making what he is interested in relevant to him through through god's word um, and he's loving it and there's a little be amazed section where he gets to find out something even more amazing about god's world as well We'll put that book in the show notes because you've already made us all want to buy it, Sam. It's amazing. And if I could remember the name, I would tell you. It might be called Immeasurable. Um, Indescribable, I think. That could be that. <laughs> it's very good. <laughs> um, so that's it. We try, and, we try and read the Bible as a family as well. So we've got a nine and 11 year old and he loves listening to them, thinking things through slightly more in depth. So if you've got a five to seven, don't be afraid of going a bit deeper with them and with with older ones as well because they they totally take it all on board and he chips in with comments about oh that means jesus died for him as well which in an unexpected way that we weren't we weren't um expecting because he's with the older ones um and i think at church it's so exciting for them to have christian buddies so i think church groups are brilliant but it's such a tiny fraction of the week I think as a parent, it's it's not enough to hope that Sunday school is going to do the job. It's, it's such a little part of of their massive long week. Um, so we, we try and talk our, our Bible time on a Sunday night is usually. So what did you do in church today? Tell me about that. What was your favourite part? What did you discover um, that made you excited about God today? Um, that's what we try and do. Thank you, Sam. Just to uh, finish, can we just talk a little about uh, what do we try to remember when it's going wrong, when the stories of grace are harder to find? And how could we mm. support parents in this age in our churches? Uh, uh, Amy, can you just start? Um, if, if at the moment this age group isn't feeling like flourishing and it's not <laughs> feeling like delighting in the Lord, uh, what do we do about that? Um, we pray and we talk to people uh, in church. Uh, we get help. Uh, we talk to people a little further down the road than us, um, ask for their input and advice. Uh, we book a babysitter. Um, <laughs> we we go out for a meal. We take a breath and we try and remember the bigger picture of this is a stage and there are challenges. And we look back through uh, the photographs <laughs> on our phones that we've taken of the good moments and we remember that they're not all bad moments. Um, and I think particularly this can be a stage where uh, challenges of, of school and outside pressures can feel very big of what are we going to take on? You know, what after school sports are we going to do this? And I just think there can just be that time when you're feeling squeezed. Um, and I think that's a great moment to just say we just need to book um, an evening out with a couple who can give us a bit of perspective and just be open. I think uh, remembering that parenting isn't a competition and asking people for help and advice is huge. Adam, how, how have you been helped in this by church or other friends? Who do you turn to for help? Well, what, what Amy was saying then really um, about not beating yourself up. Because I think it's quite easy going at this particular stage when you you have these kind of days and uh, things aren't necessarily full of joy. Um, not to beat yourself up, to remember it is it's a season that we are going through, 
and to take stock. There's, I mean, I take a lot of comfort in uh, the church that we're plugged into and, and the, the the help that we have for junior church. I mean, knowing that they're having really good teaching there and then coming home and then we can uh, discuss it. And I was, it's been mentioned as well that it's, it's obviously only a, a small amount of the week that they're getting mm. that input. Mm. So it's down to us then um, to to kind of follow that up, really. So um, I take great comfort in, in the church that we are, we are in, answering your question. Thank you, Adam. <laughs> and Jody, if, uh, if a church was listening into this, how how could they proactively go out to help the parents of the fives to sevens? What do you think parents of this age appreciate? Um, prayer, <laughs> encouragement. I think for um, parents who've already been there, done that and wore the T-shirt to give some guidance on what they did that they felt found helpful, what they the mistakes they made that we can learn from ourselves and just being honest and open and transparent and for it to be a real uh, church community where you can go and not feel like you've got to wear your Sunday best. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but instead, you can turn up the stains on your top because dinner's gone gone down quickly to get everyone to church. So just being real, being real, and um, knowing that um, you've got a support network who understands what it's like to parent, try and parent godly in an ungodly world. I think massively for churches as well, it's it's being welcoming, isn't it? It's mm-hmm. it's being welcoming of families, being welcoming of young children, being okay with a bit of noise, being 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 realistic about uh, what your expectations are. That you're not expecting five to seven year olds to sit for forty minutes in silence with nothing. That you know, is there a group for them to go to? Is there something that engages them in the sermon? Is there a song that they're going to like to sing? Can they go out and kick a ball around at the end? You know, we want to be welcoming. We we want children to love coming to church. And that's one of the things that's been really tough about COVID is not being able to do that as easily and having to be creative and work really hard to think ways around it. Um, but, you know, we long for the day, don't we, when the kids are, are trundling around at the end of church and any passing adult can pick up the one that's fallen over and make sure, isn't that your eighth biscuit? Maybe no. You know, that's... They're, they're those great moments where church family really does feel like church family. Don't let the guest family have the worst behaved six-year-old in the church. Make sure your your children are worse behaved than theirs. Yeah, Sit totally. in the front row and let everyone <laughs> see your bad behaviour. Uh, I was so- talking to a really godly granny the other week who told me that the best gift you could give to a church was a was a badly behaved child. I just thought, what a woman, that that was her advice. Thank God for the worst behaved child in your church because they are pushing you to to be more welcoming, more inclusive and more on it. That's our ministry ad. We didn't know it. (laughs) (laughs) You keep it there, Adam and Jodie. Thank you so much uh, for being honest, Adam and Jodie, for telling us about your children. Thank you, Amy, for being Amy. You've done it great again. Sam, thank you for your time. Keep teaching, keep parenting. Could you pray for the parents who are listening, Sam, as we finish? Happily. Heavenly Father, we do thank you so much for each one of the little people that you have given every family who loves you. Thank you that they are growing up in families who want them to know you, that they 
want them to know that you love them. Father, we pray that they would recognise that you have given them all the gifts they need and all the skills they need to parent these little people. Lord, we pray that they would know that um, each one in that family is a sinner saved by grace and that they would recognise that the forgiveness you have shown them is available for small people too. Would they not feel overwhelmed, please, but would they know uh, that through prayer and by your grace, they will be growing up children who are able to know and follow you every day of their lives. Amen. Amen. You can email us at podcast at faithinkids.org. You can send us your questions, your complaints. It is nice when occasionally people tell us that we're above mediocre. So please do tell us that occasionally. But also tell us when we've fallen below mediocre. Tell us what topics to to cover. We received an email today saying, when are we going to cover how to be a grandparent for the Lord? We're going to cover that soon. We love the suggestion. We've made a note of it. But why don't we all just say goodbye? We'll see you next time. And you'll never guess the topic we're going to cover. Eights to elevens. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye.